0: Hey Z Pack, it's Doctor Z. Welcome to the Z Dog MD Show. All right, listen, I've been saying this for a long time that if we don't get our own financial house in order as healthcare professionals, and we're notoriously bad at this, someone else will always control us. Whether it's a big administration, whether it's the medical hierarchy, whether it's you know a boss that you don't like, they're gonna run your life, and that's why today's guest is really important to me because. Matthew Wiggins uh, has a company called Pattern that's actually dedicated to educating and protecting medical professionals and helping them empower themselves to actually take control so that someone else doesn't do it for you. Matt, welcome to the show, man.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Man, so you and I were talking, the reason we got connected is you're a Doc Vader fan. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what was the first one that you saw?
1: Uh, I think I was watching the episodes, right? Episode one, two, and three—the the longer ones, right? And the one that sets out to me is the uh, the Did you die? That's uh, <laughs> that's probably one of my favorites because I'm like, yeah, that's right. Did you die? And, so.
0: and, and and what's and so we got connected because you particularly work on life insurance and disability insurance mm-hmm. for medical professionals, doctors in particular, and that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. those are very poorly understood, and. Medical professionals, as you know very well, are the worst at understanding Personal finance and that, and that means other people take advantage of them. Whether it's private equity companies who hire them with crazy contracts, or whether it's um, you know uh, an employer that abuses them, and and or they're running their own private practice and they're just not doing it efficiently and and working harder than they need to. So, how did you get into right? That?
1: Well, that's you know that's what brought me into it. So mm-hmm. I was a, I was a financial planner. I was one of those guys who you know did investments and I did everything.
0: Were you just gouging people on commissions? Is you that... know, kind
1: of. I mean, it was like <laughs> All right. Right, so where can we make more money, charging a fee or charging commission, you know? And I no, I, I I, would say I've always had a heart for wanting to help people. So I don't think it was ever quite that notorious, you know? Mm. Um, but there was definitely an aspect of, I'm gonna try to do all these things and make as much money as I can off of each individual. And I was working with business owners and just kind of generic, generic you know, general public. And I realized that I wasn't moving the needle as much as I wanted to. I really wanted to help a segment of the population that knew nothing about finances or very little, and they were being taken advantage of, you know, I kind of needed a group to come in and share my knowledge with that it would actually move that needle and help them. And so, of course, whenever I was kind of doing market research and getting to know some of our clients and everything, I found that the, the young doctors in particular were the ones who were being taken advantage of with contracts, being taken advantage of, you know, sold the wrong kind of insurance, um, getting into really bad investments with all these wrap fees around it and everything. So I just think I found that group that I said, I can actually move the needle with my specialty, my financial specialty, if you will. I can actually move the needle. So
0: And you found, you know, what's interesting? We were talking offline, you found a lot of resistance to this from the medical hierarchy a little bit. So in other words, young residents, medical students, young doctors were like, Matt, teach us, Like Mm -hmm. we don't know what we're doing, we have all these Mm -hmm. loans, there's this contract I don't understand, I don't understand disability insurance, like why do I even need it? Like why should I get life insurance now when I'm young? Like what's going on? And, but if you said, hey, I wanna go to like the medical education establishment and say, hey, we should make this part of the curriculum, Mm -hmm. this should be a part of what they teach us, they're like, well, no, there's more important things we need to teach and we know we don't deal with companies and things like
1: that. Yeah, excuse me, I'm an outsider, right? I'm a a business guy for the for profit company. So uh, I was kind of an outsider. But you know, I'm sitting here looking at the I'm sitting here looking at the medical establishment, you know, your ACGMEs your double AMCs or whatever, you know, people who are kind of um, running show with GME anyways. And then I see the actual residents and fellows over here. And so I would go and speak with them. And I would share things with them like, uh, here are the main pitfalls to watch out for in your contracts. Um, You know, look out for these different things. And so, and we would finish it, and it would, get, it would get, like, the highest ratings of an outside, you know, all the different groups would say, uh, rate the outside speakers that came in. And it would get the highest ratings. And and people would come up to me afterwards and say, you literally changed my life. I had no idea. I was about to sign a contract because I'm just supposed to, right? <laughs> I, my first contract, I'm supposed to sign whatever I get. And I helped her, and I said, no, 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 don't just sign it. <clears throat> you know, know what's in it, and, and you can actually negotiate some of these things. It just revolutionized her life. And so I'm hearing that from the residents and fellows. So then I'm going to the establishment and I'm saying, okay, they're saying it's changing their lives. They're saying that this is really important to them. Maybe we should add some curriculum. We'd be happy even to donate our time to develop a library of curriculum that you could then use and give to them. And, and we won't charge you even. We will just give this content to you uh, because we saw what a difference it made in their lives. And and the question was, well, you know, why are you doing this? You know, you're a business, you know. um, Obviously, there's got to be some nefarious purposes or something, you know. (laughs) I'm like, no, we just want to help, you know. So, yeah, I'd say we ran into this need. We saw the need, but we ran into this roadblock of not being able to do it widespread um, like we would have wanted to because of those roadblocks.
0: So what, what, what is this need? Because I tell you, when I was a resident, I had to learn, I bought investing for dummies, I bought personal finance for dummies, and I had to read it myself mm-hmm. because ain't nobody teaching me that. There was mm-hmm. no mentorship. You know, my dad would just be like, learn about money. I'm like, okay, so teach <laughs> me, dad. I don't know about money, I'm a doctor. I'm like, well, <laughs> that doesn't help me. Yeah. And what ends up happening is you end up in your first contract, you end up... Uh, Overextending you—you you, the first money that you get you 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 spend it all you end up mm-hmm. increasing your debt you're not paying your loans down I mean is this a pattern that you see well, what's the need in this community
1: so over and over again it's just a lack of information so here's what we we truly believe so our our whole purpose statement at pattern is as doctors make better decisions lives are changed mm. that's it and so truly I mean that's, that's for sure clinically right doctors make better decisions clinically with the patients and everything that lives are changed. We believe, though, that financially and in their lives and outworks in their relationships and things they give to, things they purchase, their community, how they impact it, um, how their well-being is. I mean, everything you can think of is impacted by this type of thing. Doctors are smart. They're smart people. And typically, they don't get into medicine because they're slackers. You know, they actually want to make a difference. They want to do something. The problem is, is, they're put into the system where they're overworked and underpaid, and so you find this long period of time where they're so hyper focused they don't learn these other things. And so at 32, they get out of this whole GME system, and you know their friends who graduated from undergrad at 22 have a decade of figuring out finances, figuring out work, figuring out contracts. They've probably moved up some ladders. They're getting paid pretty well, and and they're 32 saying, wait, what's a budget and what is insurance? And what am I going to do? I have 300000 of debt, and I'm handed a $250,000, $300,000 a year salary. You know, the stakes are really, really high. And so what we found is that if we just empower them with the right information, we connect these smart people who want to do good and want to work hard with the information to kind of make it from point A to point B and not, you know, totally mess it up along the way, give them a really good foundation. So I, I think really it's just having some guidance, having the information uh, to, to make those good decisions.
0: You know, what's interesting is there's this uh, Vinay Prasad, Dr. Vinay Prasad, mm-hmm. and I were talking about this yeah. the other day on, our, on, on his show. And we were saying, you know, there's this feeling that, oh, if you, you know, if medicine becomes too hard, the smart kids that were gonna go into medicine will end up going into the financial sector, investment bankers make a ton of money, et cetera, and both- or Become the, an
1: internet personality. Or, or, you know, or sell whatever. out to
0: big internet yeah. for the clicks. I did it for the clicks, <laughs> yeah, you uh, man. And, uh And so- Done all right. The, what's interesting though, is we actually disagreed with that sentiment because- physicians go into and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this physicians go into medicine not just to make a bunch of money number 1 because they're called number 2 they 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 want to help people but number 3 they're actually tremendously risk averse. Mm. They actually choose it because it makes, to some degree, because it makes them a living in a stable, predictable way where you're gonna make enough money if you just don't screw up. And I think that is a mindset they come into. So we're enriched in this sort of don't rock the boat, change is dangerous, risk is bad. And that can actually be a very difficult mindset for managing risk Truly managing risk in terms of insurance and taking risk in terms of investments—have you found that to be the case?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there's kind of a there's kind of this herd mentality. Um, you know, I, I actually offline was telling you a little bit of a story, but you know, I remember being in a large room full of people, and uh, this one—he was a, currently he was a fellow—he stood up and he said, "The problem with GME right now is that we come into it, people." And we get completely dehumanized to the point that we leave it as just a set of duties or responsibilities or procedures. And it was amazing to watch a room full of a couple thousand people, maybe 3,000 people. It was amazing to watch them basically tell him to sit down and shut up. And, (laughs) And that really offended me. And I went to him afterwards and said, no, 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 you're right. The establishment, the people who are at the head of all this stuff, they don't want to hear that because they'd have to change things. But you are right. And, and one by one, other residents and fellows came up and said, you're right. I feel exactly the same way. So you kind of get this herd mentality a little bit, though, when you're in the system of we just need to take what's given to us. And, and as long as I take what's given to me and I don't rock the boat too much, I don't ask too many questions, I don't push back on a contract, I don't try to maximize things, I just take what's given to me, I'm going to be okay in the long run. So just take the medicine you know, and just just take it and and just, you know, that's it. And so I find that all the time. And so mainly with contracts. So we used to do a lot of work with contracts and doctors would come and say, hey, I've got this one contract in New York and this one in rural Kentucky, which one's better? And, and I, I was ready to sign it and, and I just, you know, but I thought I'd, you know, have someone look at it. Well, the one in downtown New York City was, this as a general surgeon, I'm thinking of in particular, $200,000 salary, $100,000 loan repayment uh, over like five years. And, uh, you know, you start looking at that. The one in rural Kentucky was 450000 of salary, $300,000 loan repayment, plus a $100,000 signing bonus. It was crazy lucrative. And he was about to sign the one in New York because someone told him that's the one he needed to take, and he didn't even question it. He just said, I'm going to sign the one in New York. Now, here's the thing. Maybe that's what's best for him, and maybe he should sign it. You shouldn't just chase money. But he wasn't even evaluating them because he was told by one person, I think it was a program director or someone like that, who said, oh, yeah, this is who you want to be with. Take it. And he didn't even question it. And so I see that all the time, not even questioning things just trying to kind of keep your head low, make it through, and you'll be okay. That
0: hits absolutely on point. And, and there's a few things there, I think, that we should understand so that people can self-reflect in the audience and say, oh yeah, no, that is me. And maybe I could do better on that. This idea of chasing money as a bad thing In other words, we're programmed to try to be altruistic, but Mm -hmm. we have to support our families, pay our loans. If we're not financially independent, we Mm -hmm. can't help other people because we won't be taking care of ourselves. And this is common in nursing, especially, just Mm -hmm. self-flagellation to help others and then just personally nothing left. So that's one thing. And the second thing is this idea of herd mentality. It is safe in a herd. So if I make a decision that is the standard of care even though it's dumb, Mm -hmm. even though it doesn't have any evidence, even though I'm safe, I won't get sued. No one can criticize me. And and we're all terrified of criticism because we all have imposter syndrome. We all feel like we're not supposed to be here. So that makes for a toxic stew of inappropriate risk aversion, inertia, and bad Mm -hmm. decision-making. And I think this is why it takes somebody, Mm -hmm. I think this is why I wanted to have you on the show, somebody from outside of the specific tribe of medicine to go, hey, guys, I see you. I want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is what I'm seeing, and here's how you might do better, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the da- most dangerous things, too, we haven't talked about yet is, and it kind of blends into this, but I see a lot of this superhero syndrome kind of a thing where mm. um, it you can't admit weakness as a physician, oh, especially yeah. when you're younger, because it's going to affect the jobs you get offered. It may cause you to get some kind of stigma that's going to follow you throughout your career if you're depressed, if you're having any type of issues, coping with things. And so so there's a lot of silent suffering going on, especially in the GME world. And that's where I know it the best. GME and and outside of it, first year, two, three, four and, and, uh, as an attending but there's a lot of silent suffering that goes on. And then because that happens, there's these ramifications, right? So I'm silently suffering. I don't know how to handle my finances. I don't know how to handle the stress of this job. I don't know how to negotiate a contract. So I got an awful call schedule situation. And I I don't, I don't know how to even, my family's not getting any time with me, but I'm suffering in silence because if I admit this, this may come back to haunt me with reviews, with how I get paid, with any promotions, with any job opportunities in the future. So there's a lot of that um, risk aversion and safety proclivity that goes on in the medical world. And and some of it is just nefarious. It's just silent and people don't talk about it. And so from the outside, I see it. It's so clear uh, from the outside, right? It's always easier from the outside. Um, but it's going on inside. Yeah,
0: and you know, I I think part of this is something I call the lack of communalization of pain. So Mm -hmm. we don't put the suffering out there because of all the reasons you said, which are all spot on. And again, you've, you've, listen, people don't understand really who you are yet because I haven't given the full introduction. I mean, you travel all around the country speaking to medical groups about this stuff. I mean, your passion is teaching them and and helping them and you've made a business out of it, which is great because you're doing well by doing good in the world. But the idea is that you're, as a as a non-clinician, you can say, hey, this is what I see, guys, and you know, this is important. You need to take care of that financial piece so you take care of yourself, so you have a strong base from which to launch all these operations of helping other people. That's right. And 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 that and that goes too, to alleviating this thing we call moral injury, which you and I were talking about. This idea that we're serving multiple masters. We gotta serve an employer, we gotta serve our own financial well-being, we gotta serve our family, we gotta serve our patient. Well, sometimes, Often those things seem to conflict, mm-hmm. but it turns out they don't have to conflict. They don't. We've created a system where they, by nature, conflict. Where you know, our, when you say GME, by the way, for people who don't know, is graduate medical education. Right. The graduate medical education world doesn't prepare you for this. It doesn't teach you this. They just all you get from your mentors is, man, it's going to suck out there. You better, you know, you better figure out how to pay your loans and stuff. It's like, well, okay, well, how about some help?
1: Right? Yeah. There's all these studies. You know, academia is great at studies. There's all these studies on how uh, even how financial stress uh leads to deterioration of well-being and, and how these things coincide and everything, but there's no solutions, and there's no help. And so, I mean, I gotta tell you, I we've grown a company, we've got some people and some bandwidth, and we do some things, but we still feel like we're the you know, we're the BB shooting at the tank, right? I mean, it's still such a big issue. Um, so that's why we're looking for, you know, chance to get that voice out there and say, this is this is something people need to pay, be paying attention to.
0: So let's get the voice out there. Let's talk about what you do specifically. Let's yeah. talk about disability insurance because we're in the middle of a pandemic and this is what is really yeah. interested me. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Doctors, nurses are getting sick and some of them may even have long-term complications at any point you could get hit by a car, at right. any point you could have a skiing accident, at any point, and, and so I had a friend, I have a very good friend from medical school who uh, is a radiologist and was uh, climbing a ladder in their backyard to try to prune a tree, and he's my age, he's in his 40s, Sure, fell off the ladder, doesn't remember it happening, mm. kind of came to on the ground, felt, oh, okay, I'm gonna walk this off, and the next day went in and found that he had shattered leg, femur, uh, arm, wrist, just disastrous. Now, in order to do his job, he's gotta click on a mouse, he's gotta scroll through images, sure. he's gotta be able to dictate, he couldn't do any of that. Right. And luckily he was in a multi-specialty group that provided some degree of disability, but if he didn't have that or hadn't prepared for that, it would have been a dis- a complete disaster. Yep. So, so tell me about this. Teach us about this because it's something I never understood. They were pitching me disability insurance mm-hmm. coming straight out of residency. I'm like, why? I mean, isn't my employer going to do that? I mm-hmm. don't understand. So to teach me.
1: First of all, I, I, I'm sorry to hear about that. I mean, that's, a, that's an awful situation. It's an awful story, but it's not uncommon. Mm. And, um, you know, I think, I think the statistic, there's all sorts of studies out there, but it says something like one out of every four or one out of every five, there's multiple studies. So 20 to 25% of doctors from sometime in their 30s to their 60s will be disabled to the point that they have to use disability insurance to live off of. Wait, how many? 20 to 25%. Wow. It shocks people. A quarter. Yeah, because it's one of the most likely events that you actually will insure. Way higher than a house burning, way higher than you actually dying during that same time span. And people say, well, life insurance is a no-brainer. Well, it's infinitely more likely that you're actually going to get disabled. And the financial ramifications, I, I know this sounds morbid, but the financial ramifications, if you're, if you're a breadwinner in your family and you die, you don't, the income's not coming in anymore, but your expenses are gone too. So disability insurance is one of the most insidious, slow bleeds, or disabilities are one of, one of the most insidious, slow bleeds on a family you can ever have because now you don't have your income coming in because you're disabled. You can't work. You're, you're an illness or injury preventing you from working. Your income's not coming in, but your expenses are still there. And sometimes a heightened amount of expenses are there because of your disability. And that family is now trying to cope with all of that without mm-hmm. the benefit of your income so here here's the deal with disability insurance. Um, no, I did not grow up saying I wanted to sell disability insurance and help people get disability insurance, right? Um, but you know, let me ask you a question: If your income isn't insured, what really is
0: <laughs> that's that's right because at any point, you can lose yeah. it, yeah and, and it just it's pure luck but by the grace of God go I right I mean, right. at any point
1: think about it, so think about this think about even so we'll talk things that are obvious. You've made financial plans. You've hired this financial planner. You've budgeted, and you've got this retirement you know, retirement plans. And you've got all this thing mapped out. It's all inflate. in Bitcoin, by the way. Yeah, all in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all this stuff mapped out, right? What's the one engine that drives all of that? It's Your income, right? Mm. Like literally, you could you could pay you could pay Warren Buffett to make your financial plan for you. He's, um, he's from Omaha. He's local for us. We like him. Um, That's right. You guys are from Nebraska. That's right, Nebraska. from Omaha. So you, you, could, you could pay him, and he could make the most bulletproof, amazing financial plan ever, and, and it could have 100% chance of succeeding. Like, I mean, I'm just making this up, but let's say even if you could, and then all of a sudden you develop arthritis, or all of a sudden you have uh, a brain injury uh, from something, or all of a sudden you have carpal tunnel or something that comes in your surgeon, or, or I mean, it could be anything everything in that financial plan, even if Warren Buffett made it for you, out the window. So now let's take it to something that seems a little more soft, not not just financial. What about relationships? Like the number one cause of divorce uh, is financial problems. So let's say you get disabled, you don't have the right disability insurance. Maybe you have a little bit of group that comes in, which I'll explain a little more on that in a minute. It's not sufficient. Your, Your employer's coverage is not sufficient on its own. And I know I'll explain more about that in a minute, but mm. it's not sufficient. That's one of the biggest um, misconceptions out there amongst doctors is that their group's taking care of them. We've got the disability insurance. But let's say that you, let's say that you, you, that's all you have, you're getting a little bit from that, but your expenses are such you're having to be taken care of because you're disabled that it wipes that out. So there's no income coming into the family. How long is it before you run out of savings? How long is it before the stress of the finances actually wears on your your marriage, on your family, on your kids? You're having to move houses and take them out of private school and whatever else. It's huge. So my whole point is it's not even just monetarily. It's relationally. It's future goals. It's giving and things you want to do philanthropically. If your income is not insured, what really is? And Mm. that's what makes disability insurance important is the higher likelihood than most anything else you insure. It's also, look at this. It's your largest financial asset. And everything is impacted if it's not going to come in over the course of your career. Mm. So it's a big deal. If I, if I didn't feel passionate about it and I didn't believe in it, I couldn't push it. I couldn't sell it. I couldn't help doctors get it. Um, but I firmly believe it's one of the most important things you can lock down early on.
0: It's so it's so interesting, too, because it's it's income insurance. That's the way you think about it. it. You know, like life insurance, hey, once I'm dead, the family gets some yeah. money. First of all, that doesn't help me very much, does it? So from a personal <laughs> standpoint, I'm like, you guys can just, you know— Go panhandle because yep. you know Z Dog MD is out. <laughs> but in in reality, it's it's that idea that you're still alive and suffering. Your expenses are still high. And now, tell me more about this idea that the group policy isn't yep. enough because I think there's so many employed physicians now, and uh, they're going to say, "Well, no," but it says they told me that I'd get X, Y, and Z. And so, how does that work? So
1: this is really impactful. And I hope this this is this is something to really pay attention to because this is not known. This is when we have this conversation. You know, I've personally met with thousands and thousands of doctors. And, and this really does, we say our number one competitor isn't um, these nefarious insurance salesmen who are trying to sell you the wrong policy, although that's definitely a problem. It's actually this feeling that the employer's coverage is good enough. So even if we tell them, hey, you really need this, and here's why, there's this fallback. We never hear from them again. Oh, no, I found out my employer provides it. So here's the deal. Employer provided coverage has has three main problems. Number one, if it's provided by your group, if it's paid for by your group, by your employer, it's taxable to you. Oh. Yeah, so Uncle Sam gets you on one side or the other. Right. If you're paying for your own policy with after-tax money, then the benefit's tax-free if you ever have to use it. If the employer is deducting it off of their expenses as a you know, business expense, as a benefit, and they're paying for it for you, then that's why you know, the premiums aren't taxed, so if the benefit ever comes to you, it's taxed. So when they say we're covering 60% of your salary, it's more like 36 to 40% after taxes.
0: Okay, I have to repeat that. Yeah. This is crucial. People yeah. don't understand this. I'm going to look at the camera and tell them this. So if, if your employer is giving you this benefit of disability insurance and they're already counting it as a deduction from the employer, the IRS will tax you on the disability benefit, which means 60% of your income is really much less because you're paying tax on that. Whereas if you pay for those policies yourself with post-tax money, meaning you've already paid taxes on the money, here's the premium out of my pocket, when you have to get that benefit, it is Free, which sure. means you get a hundred percent of the benefit. That's right, and is that and that's hard and fast.
1: Hard and fast. So there are some employers, very few, that will actually either gross up your salary so that you kind of you, you end up paying for it a little bit or something. And I mean, there, there's ways that they get around it, but the right. vast majority. When I say vast, we're talking ninety percent plus right. of employer paid policies that they give you are going to be taxed. So that's. That's the first major problem. Yeah. Second major problem is this thing called own occupation coverage. And if you've ever heard anything about disability insurance, there's this idea of, is it protecting doctors for their own occupation, their own specialty, or just practicing or, or, or working in general? Ah. And this is, this is major. So this is the crux of a lot of the confusion that's out there. Some of it is intentional confusion, um, and some of it's not. Um, but there's definitions inside of disability insurance policies that say, if you cannot do the specific duties of your medical specialty, they will still pay you the benefit even if you can work in another job. And it can actually be related. Like you can be an interventional cardiologist making 70 or 80% of your money off of actual procedures and get disabled and still do general cardi- cardiology and you know read echoes and do consults and everything like that and still get paid your full benefit. That's not normally what happens, but the point is it's very pinpoint on your duties or your procedures. And so what happens with most doctors when they get disabled They don't want to sit at home all day on a couch, right? Right. I mean, they're doctors for a reason. They want to do something with their lives. And so if you have this true own occupation coverage, then you can teach. You can work at a library. You can do whatever, and it's not going to jeopardize what the insurance company is paying you because you lost the right to do your specialty, to do your duties.
0: So this is very important. So what it's saying is—because this is a serious— Issue If, let's say I can no longer practice neurosurgery, but I could still teach neurosurgery, I could get a paid position. If I don't have own occupation disability insurance, I would lose my disability benefit if I go and take another job in a specialty that, or a field that isn't directly related.
1: That's right. So So you're
0: disincentivized to go and do something.
1: You are, so it it doesn't always take it all the way. Sometimes it will proportionally reduce it, but the point is, is that if you go and do something, with your life, if you go and do something and you get compensated for it in any way, you don't have that true own occupation coverage, then yes, they're going to reduce or quit paying you the money. So what happens is doctors sit there and, and they get disabled and then they start to recover. And then they say, what am I going to do with my life? I can't be a neurosurgeon anymore. And they have to start making this calculation of, am I just going to sit here or am I going to go do something that might actually impact me negatively financially? And it's a really, insid- I-, I would never want to have to make that decision of, do i sit here or do i go do something and i'm disincentivized to go and do something because it's going to take away from what i'm getting paid for my disability so it's it's really a bad place to find it and so there's about 30 companies in the US that provide some kind of disability insurance only 6 of them have true own occupation coverage really there's only 6
0: so okay let me let me let me say this again yeah. so there is a moral injury that comes from not actualizing yourself in the world so in other words i've been disabled I had thought this particular path was my calling. There are these other things I could do that are important. I would suffer financially if I did those things under a non-owner own occupation insurance Mm -hmm. plan. Therefore, I'm disincentivized to do something that makes me feel whole in the world and a contributor to the world. That's gonna spiral me into unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And so this may well be the most important inflection decision on the disability policy. And you're saying only six out of 30 insurance companies Even offer that. So again, why you actually need to know about this stuff
1: Yeah, you'll make
0: the wrong decision.
1: It seems like, I mean, here's the thing. I buy car insurance. I buy homeowner's insurance. I buy all these insurances. And to me, it's one of these things where once a year, once every couple of years, whatever, I might look into it. And it's not a big part of my life. It's like, you know, something small. Um, But I think what we really dedicated ourselves to is knowing that when a doctor decides to look at disability insurance... We want them to get it right the first time and not make these mistakes. Because, you know, I can't tell you how many times a year I get a call or an email from a doctor who says, hey, I had this insurance from my employer and I bought this policy from this company and I thought I was covered. I got disabled and I'm getting like a fourth of what I thought I was going to get or half of what I thought I was going to get. What's up? And then I'm doing the educating on the backside post-disability they're never going to be able to change things because once you've been disabled, you're not getting disability insurance again. Your, right. you, your story's written. So it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, that. that's a great point for me to say, that that just drives me to reach out to the doctors while they're younger, before they get disabled, while they're still fairly healthy, just say, hey, got to get this right the first time because of how much it affects. And, and there's so many small decisions, true own occupation, um, is it taxable or not? You know, All those kinds of things, there's, there's riders and benefits. Um, and getting back to our group coverage thing really quickly, we already talked about it being taxable. Right. It's not true on occupation coverage. Oh, it's not. Well, think about this. That's why I went down the true on occupation route. Um, kind of bring it back full circle mm. here. Um, so think about this. Your employer gives you benefits, right? Um, does disability insurance benefit you while or after you're benefiting them?
0: Does disability insurance benefit you while, or it's after you're benefiting them? After, yeah, because you've paid their premiums, yeah.
1: You yeah. and well, and you're no longer working there, right? More than likely, uh, that's what I'm saying. No, so, see. so they're ba- they're paying for a benefit that more than likely will only kick in and benefit you after you no longer benefit them,
0: right? And in fact, you're so, now a hole in their staffing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: if they have the choice to buy the absolutely cheapest. Crappy disability insurance policy that they can that. buy for the group versus really going out of their way to knock it out of the park. So if you get disabled, you're going to have this true own occupation, you know, not it, everything's great. They're going to go cheap. And, and it's just the nature of the beast. And so that's why you, you I mean, th- that's why cognitively it should make sense. Of course the benefit's not going to be top-of-the-line coverage. It's going to be kind of bottom-of-the-barrel stuff.
0: But do some of these groups like actually do self-insurance where they're actually covering it directly through their own
1: program? I mean, very, very few. Very few. few. So this the biggest. Because it's yeah. so inexpensive to buy right. one of those not-good disability right, policies right. and go, hey, look. We're, and, and to tell you the truth, it's, there's, there's disability insurance salespeople out there that sell these group policies, and they make it sound good. And I talk to employers all the time. Their benefits person, their HR person says, oh, no, it's true own occupation. And it's a great policy. So you look at this, and it takes me about two minutes to look at their contract and say, "Here's where it says it's not. Here's all of this, <laughs> you know," and go through it. And the worst part, probably doctors don't realize too, is they don't own that policy. Mm. And so when they leave an employer, it's gone. It's gone. And let's say um, disability insurance is fairly. Um, it's fairly sensitive to your health in the mm. sense that if you have health issues if they're not going to kill you life insurance will still give you really great rates yeah. disability insurance is pretty sensitive to it so let's say you've even had some minor health history while you're at that employer yeah. you might have you might end up with really high rates or not able to even get coverage even get it. after you leave that employer when that when their coverage is taken away from
0: so you so this is another red flag if yeah, you, you lose three. your mob- mobility mm-hmm potentially if you change employers and no one wants to be stuck in a particular job and feel trapped because they got good insurance and they can't, right. you know, it's like health insurance, you know, you mm-hmm. lose your health insurance if you change employers or something. It's the same thing with disability. And the idea that then that, um, first of all, it's not portable. Second of all, if you have a existing condition that's developed or something that's happened, it's going to be harder to insure you. And you're saying it's more sensitive actually, which makes sense to pre existing conditions or mm-hmm. existing medical issues because you're more likely to be disabled than to die. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so life insurance is easier to get. Um so okay, so then let's bring it back to this. When should you get disability insurance and how does it scale with you throughout your life and This is why you're so passionate about hitting people when they're young, not because you're trying to make a bunch of money off them, but but that's the best time to buy it.
1: Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you a quick quick story here. We went to some of the insurance companies and talked them into allowing us to sell smaller policies, like really small policies. And we make almost nothing off of them, and it takes up the same amount of time as selling a big policy. But the reason we did it is because it was right for the young doctors mm. to get their foot in the door, to lock in their rates, their ability to increase the coverage. It was the right thing to do to let them get those small policies. So the, the answer is, when doctors say, well, when should I get buy a disability insurance policy? The answer is the day before you get disabled. <laughs> so that's the answer. I mean, literally, right? I mean, I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Right, but that, if you, no, it makes sense. If you knew you were going to get disabled, yeah. don't that, buy it ahead of time. One buy day the, before. Buy it one day before you right. get disabled. Right. But because we don't have that crystal ball and we don't know, right. the younger you are, the healthier you are typically. A lot of times our income and our, our health go in opposite directions over time. So when you're, uh, when you're the healthiest and the youngest, you can lock in really great rates. They last the rest of your career. Like They stay level. Um, you can get discounts while you're in training that aren't available later on, and th- those are legit. I mean, some people say, "Oh, it's just a sales tactic." You know, there's literally discounts in training you get for being a resident or fellow because they want you to buy it early. Yeah,
0: because there's a longer area yeah. under the curve. They're getting premiums, longer premium time. But today. you're locking in something that again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you know, if you're <laughs> if you're a doctor and you're buying uh, your first year out of training, and and you're trying to buy this policy right before you leave, so you get your training program discounts. Um, you know, you might be able to get. Five thousand dollars a month in coverage for you know two hundred dollars a month or something like uh-huh. that. If you are forty-five years old trying to get the same five thousand a month in coverage, it might be four hundred dollars a month. Right. So it's a big difference in price. But if you lock in that two hundred dollars a month price, that's literally the price you pay for that five thousand of coverage until you're you know, sixty-five or whenever you decide to get rid of your disability policy. So locking it in young means better rates if you're healthy. There's fewer exclusions and and issues and things like that. So you know that's. Uh, you know, I, I know that it sounds, and, and that's how, that's why we really try to help the young doctors because this is the most critical time to get it. Plus, when are you most financially vulnerable?
0: When you're younger. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So if you were if you were 34 years old, you still have 150 thousand dollars worth of loans, and you're making the smallest salary you're probably going to make over the course of your career, and something happened you're not only the most financially vulnerable, but you've got the longest period of time over which you've got to provide some income somehow mm. and live off of something. So we think it's not only important because of rates and all that kind of stuff, but literally the most dangerous early on in your career.
0: So, so walk me through something. Let's pretend I'm a, a 20, let's say a 30-year-old surgeon, just gra- general surgeon graduating from residency. Mm-hmm. I'm Doogie Hauser. I finished a little early. Sure. Um, I'm gonna, you know, maybe I'm gonna make 300 grand a year as a general surgeon somewhere. And what would it look like if I'm signing up now for a disability policy? How would they test me? Would I have to do a medical exam? What do you think a ballpark premium would be? How much coverage would I get? What would you, how would you think about me?
1: Great question. So first of all, you want to look at all six big companies. Uh, the six we call them the big six because they do that true own occupation coverage, right? And and, all- and
0: and by the way, you guys do that for people, yes, if they request a quote or
1: something. Yeah, yeah. Right, we, right. we actually we just compare them side by side and right. go through and, you know, honestly, we we used to say we're unbiased. Um, we don't <laughs> say that anymore because we're biased on behalf of the doctor, right? So a doctor right. comes to us, and part of why they want us is not just to give them unbiased analysis, but to actually say, hey. Um, you for a while here in residency took antidepressants. Mm. This one company does better than anybody else at not grilling you over that, not killing you over that. You know, actually, actually giving you your coverage. So, so we actually do add some value, add bias into it based on each individual doctor's situation. Oh wow, yeah. So we're not biased in the fact that it's not like we get paid by one company more than the other or anything like that. But we just have thousands and thousands of case studies to say, hey, we can actually help you narrow in on the best one. The reason we do that is because a lot of doctors will go to someone who has a bias towards a company for no reason. They'll apply for a a policy and get denied by that insurance company. And Mm. if you get denied by an insurance company... More than likely, all the rest of them will deny you, even if they would have given you a policy previously. Wow! So who you apply to is a huge deal.
0: So it's 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 not a oh I can just keep reapplying. It, no. you, you have to do it mindfully well, from the beginning. You
1: can if you don't get declined. Right, right. But right. um, but there are some companies out there declining people for reasons they shouldn't, and so all you get you get that one decline on the books, and it's going to be very difficult to get any more.
0: And, and and again, this speaks to this idea that we've stigmatized say something like mental illness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I brought you, that up on purpose. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's you, a, you take antidepressants yeah. in residency, medical students. It's in your chart, they see it, and now suddenly you're a higher risk mm-hmm. for disability. Yeah, you have uh, to be
1: very careful when applying for disability insurance if you have any type of history like that. Absolutely. In which case,
0: again, it's a good to have a guidance from somebody who's a specialist in mm-hmm. medical stuff. And again, right. I'm not trying to shill your thing, but I think yeah. the reason I, I really wanted you on the show is exactly that, that nobody is fighting specifically for doctors mm-hmm. and healthcare professionals, and it's a it's a minefield.
1: It's a minefield.
0: I yeah. didn't know any of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. We 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 talk to doctors who are in their 50s. We talk to doctors who are in their their 30s, and all of them say, "I, I don't know this stuff." Mm. And it's and it's not because they're not intelligent. It's not because they don't care. It's literally because they just haven't encountered someone who will guide them, who will help them mm. uh, to know these things. So once you know these things, it, it actually becomes pretty clear. In fact, when we get to the when we get finished with our analysis, a lot of times with doctors, we'll say, "What do you think? Which one Which one do you think?" Mm. And you know, nine times out of ten, they get it right. Ah. Um, so it's it's really it's it's about the information. It's about knowing these kinds of things. So back to your scenario. So my surgical case, so your, so yeah. your surgical case. I'm this
0: 30-year-old so, doogie, mm-hmm. going to make 300 grand maybe. So
1: I would say that early on in your career, you really want to protect your after-tax income. And so you start thinking about trade-offs, right? So let's say you're making 300000 a year. Let's say your after-tax income is, I don't know, 180 k That's 15000 a month. I'd say you want to have 15000 a month in disability insurance. The problem is that if you have employer coverage, it actually eats into what you can get. So this is kind of technical, but for the numbers, folks, they'll appreciate this. I'm actually a numbers guy. Um, (laughs) So you want to, in whole, protect $15,000 a month because you want to protect that take-home pay. right? Um, And so let's say that your group provides 60% coverage of your income up to $10,000 a month. That's what most – the majority of them say that, 60% up to $10,000 a month. After taxes and everything, that's really only about 6000 a month that right. they provide, and so that gets counted against you. So what you want to do is you want to get 9000 a month of your own disability insurance mm. to, to go on top of and work in conjunction with the 6000 of group. And then together they provide the fifteen thousand a month in coverage.
0: That makes sense. And again, that would be something that you'd really have to get right. And that's assuming you're going to work for a group and not yeah. go out in private practice, et cetera. Right. But still, and that I, that that again highlights the difference between the post tax, the taxable disability, and the group, and the non taxable disability, where you've already paid premiums with post tax money. People don't. That's one of the big things that I mm. think a lot of medical people don't understand is the effect of taxes. Oh, they huge. think I'm making three hundred grand a year. Uh Uh-huh, are you? (laughs) Because (laughs) uh, you're actually in the probably, between, if, let's say we live in California, which right now I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> to my detriment, <laughs> yeah. and Comrade Newsom decides he's gonna keep the 13% state tax, that means that I'm in the 51% tax bracket mm. if I'm in the highest tax bracket. And basically half of what I make is going to taxes, which means you have to think about that when you're looking at jobs. You go, well, what's the opportunity cost here? It's really on, I'm making about half right. what they're telling me. So am I gonna bust my butt for an extra 10,000, which is really 5,000? or I'm gonna to go to a place that values me, that treats me as a human, where I feel camaraderie and support, and I have the tools, autonomy, and resources to do my job. No, I'm gonna go there and take that slight pay cut, but it's really less of a pay cut than you think when you factor in taxes.
1: Yeah, it really is. And and like you said, very state to state. Uh, we even yeah. find in Nebraska, um, believe it or not, it's a fairly high tax state uh, mm. because we don't have a lot of tourism or a lot of things like that. Oh, so, interesting. So uh, we, you know, property taxes are really high. There are people who literally leave Nebraska and can pay for their home out of the taxes they saved by moving to some of these you know, really low-tax states. Wow. So you have to be really careful about these kinds of things. And and I, I know, look, look, everyone watching this right now is saying, boy, this is technical. <laughs> there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of technical stuff. And, and that's just the nature of the beast, right? There's a lot of technical things, a lot of definitions, a lot of different things. Um, but that's why it's so important to get these things right the first time. Um, you don't want to get it wrong, and then after some health history or after some more education, then you decide to do it right because then there there's there's things that are wrong. Your rates are higher. You may not be able to get coverage, all these types of things. So yeah. it's one of those bedrock things, those foundational things uh, in your financial life that you want to get right the first time as early as you possibly can.
0: Again, this is something that I I, I got wrong. I was offered this thing. I didn't understand it. I was confused. I was busy. And I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and I ended up with my group plan, and knock on wood, nothing happened mm-hmm. during that time. And now I'm in a place, there is a point in your life, right, where disability insurance maybe becomes less oh, sure. essential. Sure. Uh, That's this, why I
1: recommended getting, you know, protecting your full after tax income when you're young. Right. But at some point in time, you start making a transition and you're like, hey, you know, how much am I putting into this? What's my investment in this? Mm-hmm. What would I get? How many years do I have left? What do I have built up in savings? Do I have any debt? There's that calculation that happens over time. but I I can say the calculation doesn't look good when you're early in your career. Mm-hmm. It looks much better as you get older. And what we see doctors do is they typically just taper it off. And eventually in their 50s, sometimes they're really thinking about maybe not even having it. And that's totally fine. I mean, we're, we are not purists with disability insurance saying, keep it for the whole till you're 65 years old. It's an individual thing, depending mm-hmm. how financially free you are and, and autonomous and everything. But um, early on, it's it's really key.
0: So... What has COVID done to changes in this kind of insurance? Because I would imagine that with this massive disaster, there's a lot of people filing disability, a lot of changes, uh, a lot of people losing income in general. What's, what's the deal here? You, you, unfortunately, you can't use disability insurance to cover that your practice had to close because no one's coming for your elective procedures.
1: Right, yeah. Right, right. So uh, doctors are asking the wrong questions when it comes to COVID and insurance. So this mm. is kind of an interesting topic to me. A lot of them are asking, are the rates getting higher? Or are we being denied or declined at a, at a higher rate? And, and that might be intuitive, but it's actually been a, I don't even know, an accelerator uh. of innovation in the insurance world. Wow. And so here's the, the, the main things that have happened. Now, there, there's some things like if you test positive while you're applying for insurance, yeah, they're going to make you wait. You know, and they're, they're, gonna, they're not necessarily going to deny you or decline you, but they'll, they'll make you wait. Um, but most of the things have been positive from COVID. So here's an example. Most of the companies during the COVID, during COVID since about March or so have stopped requiring um, blood and urine. They've quit, they've quit doing the labs. They quit doing the physicals. Mm. Now, if they find something along the way that requires that, they find out you have some things in your medical records that they'll they'll go they'll ask you to do it. But for the most part, people are able to get disability insurance now without getting stuck and without having to to go through a, a lab or a physical. Great. So that's a great thing uh, because not only is it a pain. Uh, but it actually causes, um, some surprises every once in a while. Some readings come back, findings come back that we weren't expecting and it throws things off. So that's happening when it comes to underwriting. Uh, that's the period after you apply. Sometimes it takes them a month or two to actually get their ducks in a row, evaluate you as a risk and decide to give you coverage and for what price. Underwriting has been shortened tremendously because they're using things. They're using electronic medical records and companies like Human API that are out there trying to speed up this process to be like almost instant, mm. where they can see the pertinent medical records almost instantly. Um, there, there's stuff that was probably two or three or four years out for a lot of these companies that they've forced into the last six months. So what you're finding is that with with disability insurance in particular, it's easier to get a policy right now. They want the business, so uh, you know a lot of them are struggling. Not not struggling, but. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit. So they want the business. So where they might have been a little picky with you earlier on or before this, they may accept you a little bit better now, not give you quite as much hassle about medical history, and things are faster. Yeah. So it's actually become a more conducive environment to getting a good policy at better rates uh, and faster because of COVID. It's forced the insurance companies to it's, – it's a dinosaur industry. They're, they're super old. I can tell you stories. Uh, it's brutal. But they've gotten <laughs> much, much better, much faster uh, and they've innovated because of COVID.
0: And so this may be a time to strike if you're... Especially if you're fresh out of residency, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. And and not only that, but so the six true own occupation companies... I want to float this out there just because if I never get to talk to any of these, you know, who are, people who are watching the videos, any of these doctors, I want them to know these six. Mm-hmm. Because if anything, I want to steer them away from not getting the six. So the six companies that do true own occupation coverage are Principal, Standard, Emeritus, Guardian, Ohio National... And mass mutual
0: okay, so those are people can rewind and see that we'll yep. have a transcript of this thing, yeah, perfect, so yeah. those are
1: the six, and so if you're getting uh if you're getting anything from let's say a northwestern company uh that's a mutual company or if you're getting uh from any other companies besides those big six, it's not true on occupation coverage yeah. and there's mutual of Omaha' is trying to get into it, so there may be seven here this year, I think their policy probably is, we just have no history with them here
0: now the business end of this right sure is how do you actually help people through this? Like, what do you do? Like, I'm gonna put a link in the bottom here to get a, go to your website, get a quote from you guys, et cetera, and... I want people to use you because I like you. I actually think you care, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I've learned so much just sitting here talking to you that if I had known it then, I would have had that policy. And luckily, I didn't get disabled. But it could have easily—I tell you—I'm such a ding dong. It could have gone (laughs) any way, man. I mean, do they look at your hobbies, by the way? When you're—they
1: do Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them. You know, uh, they'll they'll look at some things like, are you—you know—if you're, what's really funny, people say, "Why rock climb?" Right. That may not be a problem. Oh. depending on if you go with an instructor or do you go with groups, are you free climbing? Do you have the? you know, they ask you some really detailed questions. Oh, so okay. don't think just because you have certain hobbies doesn't preclude you because but right, they do
0: look at right, it. Right, right, right. Because I mean I cook math and oh, yeah. the thing is sometimes this stuff explodes. Yep. Sometimes you have to try your own supply and you lose teeth and Here, yeah. and then if I if I lose teeth I can't dictate, yep. which means my own occupation is That's all I do Uh, is talk. So I just wanted to make sure, just for my own benefit, because it's never too late. So all that joking aside, um, what they click through the link and they they engage with you. What do you do? How do you help them? So
1: here's what we know: Mm. we know that disability insurance is complicated and that busy doctors don't have necessarily the time to learn the things they need to know to make these kinds of decisions quickly. Mm. And time is of the essence, right? Time is money for all of us, for doctors, for financial people. I mean, time is money, and and it's a short supply, especially with my three kids at home and everything. Time's never been shorter in supply for me. Um, But uh, so what we do is if they click on that link, They're going to, within 24 hours or so, very quickly, we're going to turn it around. We're going to have a report that shows them all six of those true own occupation options side by side. And then just like I've done here with you today, we take a 30-minute time with one of our consultants. They go through, and they just educate you. And um, the compliments that we get, so we, we collect NPS scores, net promoter scores. Yeah. We wanna know. We did our, that at our clinic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great great scoring. Would you promote us or not? And we have a super high score. It's, mm. it's really high for our industry. And I think it's because we go through and we educate the So doctors. wait, so,
0: so for the insurance industry, so I'm, I'm thinking a high score is like 5%? Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're about right. Yeah, no, it's true.
0: Insurance industry net promoter scores are typically 30% or lower. That's right. We're,
1: We're right around, we're in the 70s.
0: That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You guys don't understand how incredibly high customer support that, meaning customer satisfaction, that is. So that says something. And
1: we're proud of that. I mean, I think it's because we take an educational approach to it. So a doctor can literally click on the link, enter in, take five minutes to enter in some information. We do ask a few questions to make sure we get accurate quotes, but it's for their benefit. And then within 24 to 48 hours, they're talking to someone who's met with thousands of doctors and walked through this, where they're all experienced, and they're just walking them through and educating them. Mm. And at the end of it, it's not like, hey, we have this one we're trying to push on you or anything like that. We have doctors walk away all the time. But we literally take them through, and I'll tell you, most of the doctors by the end say, "I see the importance. I'm empowered enough to make a good decision." And then we use all electronic, you know, applications and all this stuff. We, we make it super simple and easy, and that's our whole goal. If we can make it simple, easy, fast, uh, and educational, doctors make good decisions and get things done. And I that's love what it. Trying to help them do. And you do life insurance too. We do life insurance. So yeah. life insurance isn't quite as nuanced as disability insurance. There's no such thing as a true own occupation death. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, you're either you're either dead or alive and the insurance company's either paying you or not with disability insurance. You gotta worry about these definitions and everything. So we really hone in on the disability insurance. But we absolutely we help with the life insurance and, as well.
0: Yeah, you know, another thing that comes up I think that our audience will be interested in is uh, as you expand out from physicians and get to the other healthcare professionals. I think, you know, nurses, for example, have a probably a big disability need. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of injuries on that. Well, some of that's workman's comp, some of that's disability. It's kind of a little bit gray, but so would you just say, click to the link and see if you can provide help?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no obligation, right? So yeah. our whole our whole goal is to get the word out, just like you said. Yeah. And so if we're taking this really complex thing and making it simple, easy, and fast for the doctors to learn about, then it's their decision. You know, if they want to get it done, which typically we're going to recommend, we'll say this is probably a good idea for you, and they see that, and and so a lot of them will do it. Um, but that's that's it. You know, we just want the opportunity to, to to individualize the things I've told you here today in general, individualize it to the person, and allow them to make the decision for themselves. That's- Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Now, this is what I want to really ask you because insurance is fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's essential. It's essential. It's essential. Um, Would you be willing to come back and teach us physicians and healthcare professionals more financial stuff? Because I feel like this is a huge unmet need that you already have talked about. And if you're willing to give a little bit of yourself, um, I'd love to have you on to do that.
1: Sure. I mean, the whole goal, right, is to get the word out. And so if if that's something we can do, we would absolutely want to do that. That's
0: awesome, man. So Matt Wiggins from Pattern uh, will share the link. You guys, I learned a lot today. Like, it's a little... I'm getting this little fear of missing out that I never got disability <laughs> insurance, which is yeah. ridiculous because it's insurance. And yet, you know, here we are. So do me a favor. Um, if you're interested in this stuff, click through the link. I'll put it in the description on my website, et cetera. If you think this is useful, share it with people because we just don't get this education and it's so important. And I wanna thank Matt uh, for coming all the way out from Nebraska to talk mm-hmm. about this. And we're gonna go have lunch in the beautiful sunny Bay area before it goes on full lockdown.
1: Oh, looking forward to it. This At least we're West nicely distanced, and, yeah. Oh, no, no, I hear <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for letting us share too. I mean, this is one of those things that really uh, we're passionate about. If you can't hear it in my voice, uh, we are very passionate about this. And we, we know that everybody thinks their job is the most important thing. You know, what, what they're concerned about really is. Uh, um, but I think it's a little step further for this. I think if you ensure your income and if you do that as a doctor, just the whole well-being side of things, the whole, you know, feeling peace of mind and being able to do what you want to do, not be worried about it, it just absolutely adds to that. And if we can play a small part, we know we're not the, the huge part, you know, wellness is such a big topic and well-being and there's all these people taking different angles at it and what's going to help and all this kind of stuff. If we can just take our small little sliver piece of the pie and help in that way, that's what drives us. That's what gets us up in the morning is as doctors. Make better decisions, uh, lives are changed, and so that's that's what we're all about. So I, I just appreciate you letting us uh, use your platform to get that word out, and if we can help in any way individually with any of the listeners and watchers, we want to.
0: And you know, honestly, all all with a little metaphysical side of this. Our goal is to create empowered healthcare professionals mm, that can yep. create a grassroots, ground-up transformation of healthcare, and they can't do that if they're financially unstable, if they're afraid, if they're losing income because they got hurt um, and living in fear, and this is a way to do that. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. It's the, it's the, it's the airplane thing, right? You always put your mask on first and then give your mask it's and for... help your kids or anybody else, right? We're the
0: worst at that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Doctors are so altruistic, and they're they're smart, and they want to help people and everything. They're the ones grabbing the mask and giving it to other people, And then they're, then they're passing out. Then they're, you know, they're not helping them. So um, yeah, sometimes you have to do that to really be effective at helping other people and reaching goals of of helping people. So
0: I'm with you, brother. All right, guys, share this video and we are out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmdcom forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.